to admit that without the clones, it would not have been a victory. Victory? Victory, you say? Master Obi-Wan, not victory. The Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Begun. The Clone War has. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Last Missions. This is a Doing, Talking, and Friends of the Force limited podcast series chronicling the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars on Disney+. I'm your host, Madison. And I'm your other host, Brad, and we are so excited for today's episode, everybody. You may be wondering why we're podcasting and there's no new episode of The Clone Wars just yet, but the reason we are is because we are joined by an incredibly talented guest who has certainly left his mark in a galaxy far, far away. Our guest has received multiple Emmy and Annie nominations, as well as 12 BMI awards. Some of his work includes Making a Murderer, Narcos Mexico, and CSI Miami, and you will especially recognize his music from The Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. We're so pleased and honored to welcome composer Kevin Kiner to the show. Hey, Kevin. Hi, everybody. Hi, Brad. Hi, Madison uh, and audience. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we got to say up front, Clone Wars is saved. It is back on Disney+. Plus. It is such an exciting time. Kevin, when I heard that Star Wars Clone Wars theme kick in last Friday at um, 7 a.m., my parents were probably wondering why I was crying on the couch that early in the morning. But uh, lo and behold, I was so ready to bring your music back into my life and these stories. It was so great. So how, how has it been seeing the Clone Wars be back now? Well, it was, I mean, it, it's been back for me for quite some time. I've been working on it for a couple of years. And, uh, it, you know, when I found out, it was, it was great. I, I don't remember the exact moment because I think we were doing Rebels at the time, so there was a lot going on. But, uh, you know, once I dug in um, to the, you know, to the old themes that I'd written and stuff like that, it was just, it was really fun, really, really fun for me to do. Yeah, it's crazy finally having the final season of this show 12 years after the Clone Wars movie released in 2008. And like you said, you've been working on this series for a long time. And I think I speak for both of us when I say that it would it just wouldn't have been the same if you hadn't returned to score season seven. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I certainly feel that way. And it's it's a great honor. I, I mean, I don't know if you know, I'm finding that a lot of the fans grew up with Clone Wars, you know, it more so than the Star Wars films in some cases, you know, it's really, that's been an eye opener for me. It's really speaking to a new generation of fans for sure. Yeah. And that's the great thing about the animation is it, it does give a whole new entryway versus something like a live action. But, but speaking of entryways into Star Wars, something I, I haven't been able to find too much information on for you in particular, but when did Star Wars first enter your life? Like, what's your history with the franchise? Because I think that's the most unique thing about each and every one of us is we have our own Star Wars story. Yeah, I mean, my history was I was going to UCLA in 1977 um, and went to see this movie everybody was talking about. Uh, and after that, I mean, my first and biggest memory 
is how enormous that first Star Destroyer was, or, or I, I'm sorry, I'm bad on terminology, but that giant ship, you know, and in fact, uh, I mean, Mel Brooks even kind of exaggerated it in Spaceballs, you know, it, but that was <laughs> the experience, you know, to to see that giant, giant ship, and then the music kicking in, um, I mean, it was like, it was like nothing we'd ever, ever seen before, uh, and, you know, I I think that being able just to go that far back and and to experience it that far back, uh, you know, is, is something that I'm really I, I cherish that I was able to see it and and experience that awe and and the, the wonder of of that cinematic spectacle that you know it's just that's you can't really repeat that you know mm-hmm. absolutely. When you you were going to UCLA, you mentioned, and I was I was reading, you actually went there originally for for pre med, and then ended up back in the music world. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, I mean, my how does mom one make that a, jump? Well, my mom, being a good mother, uh, understood that uh, a musician's life was doomed for failure and poverty, and <laughs> so she, you know. She supported me when I was young, playing guitar and bands and and all the stuff I did. But you know, she if you'd ever spoken to me from junior high through high school, and anybody who asked me what I was going to do for a living, I I mean, I had a pretty pat speech down, and that was like, well, I really love music, but I know that's no life for a family, and for you know, and 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 so I. Uh, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And I mean, that was, that was it. And I really didn't like law or <laughs> medicine at all. I was good at science. I was good at math. So I, I kind of, you know, I got to UCLA and I, I turned towards the science department and became pre-med instead of pre-law. But, you know, that was, those were my choices. Yeah, I can really relate to that as an artist. It's kind of like if that's the career path you're wanting to get into, the first question people ask you is like, oh, are you going to be a teacher? And you're like, well, maybe, yeah. maybe not. <laughs> you know, it, what changed my life is I, um, Kenny Loggins came and spoke at Ackerman Union, which is like the student union at UCLA. And uh, somebody asked him what, because I, th- I believe he dropped out of school as well. I, I dropped out my senior year. I went fall quarter uh, and then. I had a New Year's Eve, uh, New Year's Eve gig in in uh, Jakarta, Indonesia, and that was supposed to be a two week gig, and it turned into a six month tour. Wow! Uh, and then I never went back to school after that. But Kenny Loggins said that he was. He, I think he went to UC Riverside, and he was studying accounting or something like that, very similar to my situation. And so I'm I'm listening to him talk. You know, and, and he was he was pretty famous at that time. It was like late 70s. Um, and and he said, you know, I, I went back to my dorm and I realized I looked at my guitar and I hadn't touched it for a couple of weeks. And he, he said, I realized that I, I was spending 95 percent of my time doing what I was going to fall back on uh, and working really hard on that. And, um, you know, that's when. He just bailed and became a musician. And I mean, that was a. I I got to meet him someday because I I I, sh- I really need to tell him that story because you know, kind of a light bulb started going off and and uh, my mom was doomed. 
from there. <laughs> <laughs> Did John Williams, when you saw that, you talk about you know the Star Destroyer going overhead, and obviously the the music in that moment in particular is very triumphant and just very orchestral and unlike anything we had seen in such a long time. And John Williams really wanted to get back to a more just more classical score for Star Wars. Did that also play some sort of influence on some of the work that you wanted to do um, later on when you got back to Hollywood from your, your international touring? Yeah. Uh, so I got married overseas uh, in the Philippines. And uh, now I've been married 37 years to my wife. Uh, and um, I decided to get off the road because, again, that was not going to be any good for a family. Uh, I, I I could have been touring for a long time. I, I was doing pretty well on the road. Uh, and there's there are these two kind of groups of musicians, and, and they don't really mingle very much. It's the road cats and the, the in-town cats, you know, and the, and the session dudes. Uh, and it, because once you get called for a session and you're out on the road, it doesn't matter if you're with Joe Cocker or whatever you're doing, uh, you're... You're, if you're gone, then you're, you're, you probably won't get called for the next session. That guy will probably just cross your name off the list. So um, I decided to stay in town, um, and we moved to in, in town being Los Angeles. And we moved uh, to L.A., to North Hollywood, and we were in a little apartment. It was 345 bucks a month, and we had $100 in the bank. And, uh, you know, I had to take a job doing phone sales for about three or four months because um, I didn't have any gigs. Mm -hmm. um, but, but pretty quick, I got a television show. And, and then, you know, I, I started looking at what I really wanted to do. And it wasn't just work. I, I mean, the, my first TV show was doing background music for bloopers um, segments. And, and so I'm like, well, this is fun. But I don't want to do this forever. And, and so, I, you know, I, I thought about, you know, what do I really want to sound like? What do I want to do? And, and it was the answer was John Williams, that kind of music. Um, and I, I bought a score in the early 80s to Star Wars. And if you look at my score that I bought, it's all marked up the way some people mark up your textbook or your Bible or whatever it is that's important to you. Um, it's dog-eared. I, I take it to, like, you know, Comic-Con or whatever, and I show people, you know, I studied every note that he wrote in, in those scores, and I was just trying to figure out, trying to unlock that mysterious door of, like, what is this guy doing? Why does it sound like this? So being such a scholar of John Williams, what was it like when you got the gig to compose the soundtrack for an, an animated film that was going to be released in theaters, a Star Wars film. And at that point, you know, when that film came out, it had been three years since what we thought was the last Star Wars movie came out, Revenge of the Sith. What kind of challenge was that? Well, first of all, I had to audition for it. And that was that was a big deal. Oh, wow. Um, and then once once I was chosen, you know, uh, um, then. I met with George Lucas and Dave Filoni, and the first thing that George wanted me to do was to do a new version of the theme. Now, that wound up being what you hear today as the theme for Clone Wars, and it's, it is the John Williams melody, but it's, it's, it's rearranged, and, and that, was a, that was a really difficult task. Uh, um, and I told George, I said, you know John did this properly the first time. 
and, uh, and I, I really didn't feel like it, it could be it done any better. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it hasn't ever been done any better than what he did. I, I did it differently. And I'm, I, I hope I didn't tarnish it. I, I don't think I did, but it's, it's, that's dangerous. I mean, you know, that's, that's a sacred, in a way, piece of music. And uh, it, it's very dangerous playing with that and not goofing it up. I bet that was really surreal, working with George Lucas like that, after being such a huge fan of the original Star Wars. Like, what was that like working with him in those beginning stages? Did he have kind of a really unique vision for Star Wars going forward? Like, how to make this new thing really distinct from the original films and the prequels? He did. Um, George Lucas is a guy who loves to try to experiment. He, he loves to... He always wants to... He, he's just bored to death with the, the way things have been done, and he... He always, I mean, at one time, like one third or a half of the script to Star Wars was in Japanese with subtitles because, you know, he got all into Kurosawa and, and you know, and, and some of that influence remained with, you know, with the lightsabers and the, the you know, Darth Vader and the, the, his, you know, very similar to a, a Japanese warrior uh, garb and, you know, Shogun or what, whatever it is. Um, and so the the my point I'm making is that he wanted to experiment quite a lot with the music and he didn't want me to use John Williams's themes very often uh you know he wanted to save those for special moments um in the show but most of the score he wanted it to kind of have a world influence at first and his concept was every planet was going to have a different ethnicity so we would have African, we would have Bulgarian, we we would have Mayan or, you know, different Native Americans, all kinds of different ethnicities every time we went to a different planet. Um, and, and so that, for the first two seasons, I would say, that really informed the music. Uh, I still kept the John Williams flavor, I, I think that's, you know, because I've studied him so much and I've also studied, you know, his sources, which are like Korngold and Stravinsky and et cetera, that, you know, I, I feel that's part of my language that I, I speak in, but, uh, but there's a lot that moved forward and, and moved into a different direction. There's, there's a big element of the music that, that changed and that was, from George Lucas, it was per his instructions. Yeah, I think that's something the Clone Wars does so well because obviously with the movies you have only six hours to work with them, but for the Clone Wars you have 121 episodes that you did the music for, so you really get to create that yeah. sort of flavor for this new uh, universe that we're building in the prequel era. And uh, back when you started doing Rebels, you said you never want to be a what you you said mini me John Williams. And for you, it's just about looking yeah. at what he does and finding those little tricks. So what do you think was core for you to really take what he did, honor that legacy, but then infuse it with your own style, especially, you know, growing up, playing a lot of rock and roll and 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 getting introduced to Star Wars the way that you did. So what's like kind of the the key there? You know, there's not any one key. I I often use the analogy as a guitar player. When you're growing up, your influences might be, say, Jimi Hendrix or Dwayne Allman or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
George Benson or, or uh, you know, whoever, Muddy Waters. Like, you know, you can have a lot of different... And, and what you do as a young guitar player is you, you might learn some of their solos note for note. I certainly did. You know, some of my great guitar heroes, I, I learned those solos note for note so I could play exactly like this, the solo on Stairway to Heaven, you know. And, and all kinds <laughs> of not easy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in all kinds of different solos like that. There's a guy named Larry Carlton who I really loved, and he, I, I learned the solo on his hit was Room 335, and I, I can play every single note of that, you know, and I played it with bands live and stuff. So that's one thing, to, to imitate those cats and, and to, to play their solos note for note. Then the next step becomes when you're doing your own solo on a song that's not say, Stairway to Heaven or Room 335 or whatever, you're doing some other tune, maybe some of those licks come through, you know? Maybe maybe some of those shapes that you play on the guitar, but you make it your own in, in the best of... And, and all guitar players, all musicians do this, you know? You, you can hear their influences. You're like, oh, that sounds like Hendrix. That sounds like whatever it is. And, and it's, it's similar in studying John Williams. It's studying Stravinsky, studying Korngold. You know, if... If if you get deep enough into it, at at the best, it becomes part of your language. It it becomes part of you, and you don't even really realize that you're kind of channel, channeling those guys, but you're doing it in your own way. And 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 music has always evolved that way. So not only were you working with George Lucas on this series, but you were also working with fellow Star Wars newcomer at the time, Dave Filoni. What was it like working to create themes on this show with him? Because there's such major transitions over the course of the series between genre. Like you can go from arc to arc and they're completely different. Like you'll have a mystery one week and then you'll have like a really intense war arc another week. So what was that like working with him to kind of find a style that fit each arc over the course of so many seasons with such variety? Yeah, I would have to give Dave a lot of credit. If, if you like the direction the music took, you know, especially as the seasons go on. Uh, Dave was, his father loved opera, and he was raised going to operas, and he's really knowledgeable when it comes to, to music. Uh, he's not a musician per se, but he, he's extremely knowledgeable about music, and he has ideas all the time that are, are way deeper than almost any other director I've ever worked with. And I've, I've been doing this for 35 years. So I've worked with a lot of dudes. And, and Dave, also Dave and I kind of have this shorthand that we, you know, all, all the, the producers who have come and gone and, you know, over the years, the last 13 years at Lucasfilm, they all kind of will, will talk about, you know, the way Dave and I speak to each other because we're a little bit, I don't know, like twins or whatever. We you know just kind of finish each other's sentences. Um, so it's pretty cool to have that connection. Uh, it, um, he's he's really a great visionary, and very similar in in the way that George Lucas is a great visionary. Um, Dave really knows his characters. He really he, he gives me all the right instructions. You know, he, he doesn't say make the music like this movie. He doesn't say it make it angry, do anything like that. He doesn't give me any. He, he just will tell me what the character is going through, what the backstory is. You know, what Ahsoka's demons are that she's trying to purge at a certain time, or you know, and and, and those are. 
those are the things that I need to know because it's my job to put that into musical terms. You know, that's that's what I specialize in. So the best he can do is inform me about what is going on and what the music should be saying. It's pretty incredible that we've we've had him learn from Lucas and carry that through, and especially in the off years when there were no films. So when the Clone Wars comes to an end, obviously at that point, your work wraps up, but then he invites you back to Star Wars Rebel. So I'm sure that must have been a really great honor for, for, for you to really think about the fact that he wanted you back because he probably figured that the, the score for this next generation would be just not the same without you. So what was it like getting to go back to Rebels and work with Dave on that? And, and also, you know, how did that process of the music and Rebels differ from the process um, throughout the Clone Wars? Because I think they kind of evolve in different ways. Yeah, they do. Um, so whereas, you know, George had very specific instructions and, and we've kept those instructions all through throughout Clone Wars that, that we don't use a lot of John Williams' themes. And... We we use them when they're really important, and and that way they don't they don't get worn out. And when you hear the force theme come in, it 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 gives you shivers because you haven't heard that for a while. And and that's what I really love about Clone Wars. In Rebels, you know, Dave w- was like, this is a musically this is a clean slate. We're going back to the old popcorn movies and to the blockbusters that Star Wars and Superman and E.T. and all those films, Indiana Jones, all, all those films were. And so we really studied uh, episode four, you know, and, and, and five. So we studied mm-hmm. A New Hope and Empire specifically quite a lot. And we one of the things that we came away with right away was that there was way less music in A New Hope than, than you thought. Because, you know, these days, a lot of films are scored wall-to-wall. Every single minute of the film has, has music in it. If you watch A New Hope, there are long, long scenes where there's no music. And it, our memory is like, that probably had wall-to-wall music. I mean, we just think of it, you know. But So we were very strategic, you know, and Dave's like, here, let's let the sound effects carry this. We, we just have dialogue right here. Or let's do this fight with the lightsabers. Let's just do it all sound effects. And and then the music comes in when we see Darth Maul or something. Well, then it's, that's fantastic because the music will add something. If the music had been going all through this fight and then Darth Maul comes in, and even if I change tone or I change tempo, it's not nearly the effect that that it has when there's been no music before and the music starts up when you see this character. It's, it's, it's a radical effect that it has on the drama. You said that Ahsoka's theme was the very first one that you composed when you were working on The Clone Wars. So what was it like to get to revisit her theme years later and kind of develop it alongside her character as she grew so much over the years? Well, I mean, Ahsoka is very close to my heart. And um, I've actually written three themes for her. Um, if, if you listen on the 2008 soundtrack, there's a, there's a cue on there called um, General, General Loathsome slash Ahsoka. And about 12 seconds in, there's one of Ahsoka's themes. And about a minute 16, there's another that I call Ahsoka's Victorious Theme.
Um, and one of the cool things when we knew we were going to start on season seven is I went back and 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 started just studying like what themes I had written and what they were because I'd forgotten some of them uh, and forgotten about them. I mean, I, I've written a tremendous amount of music. I've, now I've written probably very close to a hundred hours of Star Wars music. Star Wars music. Um, but anyhow, so. You know, I kind of revisited that, and I'm like, well, there's these two other themes of Ahsoka that I don't ever use. So, so I use those a lot more in season seven. Um, and I, I'm pretty, you know, writing for her, and and especially her main theme, which is is played on the alto flute, which is a slightly larger flute than a, a normal uh, flute that everybody's used to. But uh, it's, you know, that's very close to my heart, and. Um, I I'm so I'm so pleased that it came out well because that one that's another one you could you know your first theme that you write could really better be decent or you might be in trouble. Yeah, I think her theme's really incredible and I actually think my favorite musical moment in all of Star Wars Rebels is when she confronts Vader on Malachor and you get oh, that amazing so musical good. Yeah. yeah, right? You get that amazing musical callback <laughs> yeah. to when she leaves the Jedi at the end of season yeah. 5. It's kind of like an eerier, yeah. echoey version of that, and I I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, thank you so much. I I I'm uh, it it's neat to be part of the canon, you know. <laughs> it's really really neat, and to be able to have a moment like that where I know the fans and myself are gonna go, yeah, there's a Soka's theme, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Darth Vader. What else could be better? I mean, that's that's pretty fun. That's 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 a pinch me moment for sure. I I don't know if I can speak for Madison or not, but Ahsoka leaves itself is also something that can always give me a good cry every now and then. Uh, when when the emotional hours kick in, when I'm watching Clone Wars, it's it's such a such a great moment in that series, and it's I think it's truly what it is because of the music. Speaking of some other characters as well that are our fan favorites, big, big addition to Star Wars Rebels was, was Admiral Thrawn. And I think this is one of the strengths of Rebels is that you, you mentioned you went from those sort of a new hope themes in the, in the beginning. And then as the series progressed, you kind of made your own new themes with it, like a Thrawn and uh, something like yeah. uh, Into the Star Cluster, which is just completely mind blowing, stuff like that. So, <laughs> Zeb, so good. The Zeb one? Yeah. Yeah, so thanks. Thanks. What was it like to now take a character who had only ever been in books, translate that onto screen through music and give fans who have wanted him for so long something to really rally behind? Well, uh first of all, I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, uh, Thrawn's theme 
was written by my son, Sean Kiner, and he's contributing a lot in season seven, uh, and he contributed quite a bit in, in uh, Star Wars Rebels, uh, as did my younger son. So, you know, I, like I said, I've been doing this for 35 years, and I think it's really easy to burn out, you know, after doing 100 hours of Star Wars music. And part of what keeps me fresh are, are my two sons working with me. And it turns out they're pretty dang good. In fact, um, we did a we we did a a, a movie, not all of it, but some cues for a, a film called Ghost in the Shell. And uh, there was a scene that I wanted to score. And uh, there was, Sean and, uh, and Dean, my sons, they wanted to score it as well. So I'm like, okay, well we'll just both do it, or all three of us, and uh, and we'll just see what happens. And so we submitted both versions, mine and theirs. And the, you know, I think it was Paramount or whoever the studio heads, they picked uh, my sons' version, so they kicked my butt. <laughs> and and. I mean that's just really gratifying, and the other thing is is you know Thrawn's theme is a is a fan favorite, so I, you know it's not just me being a proud dad saying yeah you know <laughs> in giving them a gig through nepotism or whatever they're they're right. really talented cats, and and um, the other part of Thrawn's theme was the idea for it to be a, on a pipe organ was Dave Filoni's, so. Pretty much all I did in that circumstance was nod my head and say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Go for it, guys. You know, Dave yeah. had the idea for the organ, then my son wrote it, and I, I'm sipping Mai Tais on the beach or something. I don't right. know what I was doing. But I, I, did write the, I did write the Star Cluster one, so yeah. if you like that one, that, that was me. Yeah, I think what really works with Ron's themes, it really, it really paints his, calc- his calculation and strategy. Just the way that it's so, like that organ is just so perfect. It, we're just so happy that we got that music for, for those final seasons. And so thank you for that. And thank you to your sons as well. The apple doesn't yeah. fall far from the tree, so I'm sure they're going to have a very uh, good career as well. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So some other work that, that you've, you've been on. So in the interim between Rebels and, and the Clone Wars coming back, you've worked on, on quite a few things. I myself am a huge Narcos fan. So uh, when I saw that you worked on season one of, of Narcos Mexico, that score is just so good. That show is great. So, and you yeah. also worked on Making a Murder, which is obviously a huge phenomenon for for quite a couple of years with the two seasons. What is it like to do some of this other work outside of Star Wars, and especially to be a part of something as big as Making a Murderer that we the whole country was just binging through, and, and to really put your stamp on that in pop culture? Yeah, you know, it's I I don't really think about it except when you guys like you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm part of pop, pop culture, you know. I mean, I, I, I kind of I've been blessed with a lot of work. I, I write a lot of music almost every day, um, and I've always just sort of put my head down and taken the assignments that are in front of me. Uh, I, I will tell you, making a murderer, you know, when I watched that before I did the music, I, you know, like all of. America, I got really angry, and I, I think that really helped inform the score because I really, really wanted to do justice to that. To that, it, it was a great documentary. Um, 
the cool thing about it is is you know the concept with that was to be super minimalistic and really guitar oriented and a bunch of different stringed instruments and the same with narcos um and that's just good for me to be able to not do one style all the time um that's one of the things I'm most proud of is that I, I think I have a really wide range. You know, I can do a lot of different styles pretty authentically. Uh, and and it's it, it's just, again, it's, it's a way of staying fresh because, you know, it's a brand new sound. It's a brand new project. And um, it, it just is great for your creativity when, when you can really stretch and branch out like that. Definitely. So after having kind of a break from Star Wars for a while to work on a bunch of other things, what was it like when you found out that the Clone Wars was coming back for a final season? How did you react? Oh, I, I you know, I, I've been asked this quite a lot, and I unfortunately don't remember the exact moment. I, I think I was scoring Rebels at the time, and Dave Filoni sort of mentioned like, oh yeah, we're going to do Clone Wars. I, I, I t- <laughs> I mean, maybe it was. <laughs> I, I I notoriously have the worst memory on earth, and, and um, so maybe it was like a big announcement, and I fainted or something. I I don't remember the moment exactly. I'm I'm sorry to tell you. Oh no, that's okay. It sounds like kind of for you, it never left. You know, if you found out while you were still working on Rebels, yeah. it was kind of like it was always there. Like you knew that next season was coming. Yeah, yeah, I, I and. But, you know, we change things up a lot. You, you know, um, we're scoring Titans and uh, Doom Patrol for Warner Brothers. And those are two live-action DC Comics-based uh, shows. And those are super electronica. Um, now, I've done electronic music before for CSI Miami for 10 years. Uh, so it wasn't foreign to me. But, you know, electronic music had progressed for quite a lot. And um, you'll find elements of that because Dave Filoni was really into it too. You'll you'll find more electronic elements in season seven, especially as the episodes go on toward episode five, six, seven, eight. Uh, there's more electronic. They're never overbearing, but that's definitely one of the sounds that's new to the Star Wars palette. We're definitely beyond excited to see what's left in, in this season. And we can't ask you what's going to happen if only we could. But, you know, we know we, there's big events coming up and we're so excited to see what those scores sound like for these these monumental events that we've only ever heard of. So, again, we are just so happy that you're back. I noticed you changed the the outro music actually a, a slightly. Um, you tweaked it a little bit for the Clone Wars. Is that um, was there any decision behind that? But it sounded a little bit different uh, last week. Yeah, I. I think you'll find, and I don't think this is really a spoiler, but you'll find, depending on what happens, I think you'll find some big surprises on both the intro and the outro music as the episodes ah. go on. So, Ooh, that's exciting. So, that's yeah, exciting. Something, something happens where maybe we don't do a theme at the end for some reason. I don't know. Ah, Ooh. something wicked this way comes. Well, <laughs> well, I th- I think that is a, a a great transition before before the mouse comes in. So we're gonna wrap it up here with some rapid fire questions for you, Kevin. And this is something we like sure. to do just to keep you on edge and and, and really get to know you in a in a quick format. So uh, first thing I want to ask you about 
So Rebels, we have season one, we have season two. Uh, I know many of us are desperate. We would we would eat it up as soon as we had it for season three and four, those soundtracks. And so many people love those scores, especially for things like the World Between Worlds and and Twin Suns. So many great events that happen in those seasons. Are there possibly any plans to to release those at some point? Because I know the fans are begging for it. There, I, I, there are not any concrete plans at this moment, but I've heard rumblings. Um, I did a signing of uh, some. Uh, there's a new release of a movie I scored in 1992 called Freaked. Uh, and they released the vinyl for that, and I was signing um, the vinyl copies, and the guy from Mondo records uh was was talking saying that he'd just spoken with some of the uh lucasfilm people so i i believe you know there's a chance that it might come out on vinyl on mondo i i would really you know send in your cards and letters you know to to either mondo or to lucasfilm <laughs> or disney i don't i don't know who who yeah. gets to finally green light these kind of things but <laughs> i think that's a possibility that's awesome. We'll, we'll send them anywhere. There's definitely a huge rally cry in the fandom right now. So uh, stay tuned for that, hopefully. Yeah. yeah, that's a great record company as well. Londo's really a great record company. So our next rapid fire question is, is there a certain character or a thing you really loved writing music for, whether it's in Rebels or the Clone Wars, that you were particularly excited to see on screen? Yeah, I would have to say, you know, Ahsoka leaves like everybody it was, you know, one of the greatest things I've ever been, been a part of um, in terms of music. Um, you know, there were a lot of really cool scenes. Again, you know, Ahsoka battling uh, Darth Vader. Um, yeah, big moments like that. Fives, even back in the Clone Wars, you know, um, and when he was dying. Um Oh, I, the in, into the I forgot all about the end of the star cluster thing with Zab. Uh, that was those are some really fun moments. It, it's funny because the fans seem to pick them out, and and I've I've kind of forgotten about them. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, yeah, those are great. Yeah, into the star cluster. Just real quick, I think that was one of the most unique. I for me, it is probably in one of my top ten or top five Star Wars themes like out of everything it is just so unique okay. it is so mind-blowing and like just melts your brain in a way that you don't expect and just seeing the lasats and that ghost oh it's so good so good and the effects too along with it it's, just, it's great So our next question here, if you could pick any other character in Star Wars that you could write a theme for that you already haven't, who would you choose and why? Oh, that I haven't written a theme for. Um, and this can be across anything, books, animation, yeah. live action, TV. Yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have written Ray's theme. <laughs> But somebody already <laughs> got that, <laughs> and, and he did a pretty good job. So I, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I'd love to get 
I, I think I'd love to have my own shot at uh, Luke Skywalker, a theme for him specifically, but, um, you know, again, that's kind of in the past and it's been done, but uh, no, I, I, I think for the most part, I've gotten to write for a lot of really, really great characters. Um, one of my favorite themes I've written was a love theme between Obi-Wan and Satine. Oh, um, Oh my gosh, deep. yes. <laughs> it, yeah, it was one of my favorite melodies. So, I man, I I've, I've gotten to do some some pretty fun things. So, speaking of some of the live action characters, is composing music for live action Star Wars something you'd like to do in the future? Yeah, of course. I mean, I I don't think there's a film composer on earth that would say no to that question <laughs> so yeah yeah certainly I, I, I would love to do that you did uh compose music for narcos uh, mexico season one which starred diego luna and there is a cassian andor series coming out soon so who knows Connected yeah. the dog. <laughs> that's my fan com- uh fan from casting for you <laughs> from your lips brother <laughs> Back in 2014, we took a tour of your studio in a, a video on StarWars.com, and you showed us this giant collection of instruments that you had, over 60, and, and you mentioned that you know, your, your wife thinks that you're, you're collecting way too many, and you joked about it, and you showed off a couple of one, uh, a couple instruments that were pretty cool looking. So what's like one of your favorite uh, instruments that you've collected over the years, or, or one that you can't leave the house without? Um, you know, here, I'll show you. I, I guess nobody can really see it, but I... Um, you know, I'll just pluck it a little bit for those on the podcast. I, it's a bowed guitar. It's called the Guitar Viol. I'm using it a lot on uh, City on a Hill with Kevin Bacon. But um, uh, And it's supposed to be bowed. I, I'm sorry, I don't have my bow with me. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's got frets like a guitar, and uh, but it, but you bow it. Um, and bowing is really hard, actually, uh, but it's really expressive. I, I, I really love this instrument, and I have, I mean, the guy who invented them is, you know, pretty close to my house in, in Santa Clarita, and I, I think I have four of them now. I have three, one, yeah, I have four of these, and I, I don't, I, I use them quite a lot. It's really cool to be able to bow and have that expression. Yeah, that's awesome. It has a really great sound. So last question here. It's a deep one. What does Star Wars mean to you? Um, To me personally, it's just, I I mean, I guess it's, you know, it's cliche to say what an honor it is. It's something that I dreamed about, you know, in the early 80s. It's the kind of composing I always wanted to do. And, um, you know, like I told you, I studied it really hard. Uh, So being able to compose Star Wars music is just the, you know, it's, it's my dream come true. And it's, and it's something that I've, I've always, has been a goal of mine. So, you know, it's a goal that I've, I've met and that I continue to meet and I still love doing it every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What I can say too, is I I hope we, I hope we continue to hear your, your music and your themes throughout the star Wars 
universe uh, in this season of Clone Wars and beyond because it's definitely left an impression on on many people and there's just a, such a huge following for animation and I, it all means a lot to us. So again, just thank you for your work. Um, speaking of all your work too, kevinkiner.com is your website. But besides that, for our listeners to go check out and see what else you've worked on and also hear other themes of what you've worked on, what else do you have coming up that our listeners should know about? Uh, well, we're uh, starting season two of Doom Patrol right now. Uh, we finished season two of Titans, and we'll be starting season three of Titans in a little while. Uh, just starting on season three of Narcos Mexico. Um, and uh, yes, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> you're back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's really awesome. Uh, and also, I, I really love City on a Hill. Um, that was an audition as well that I was really, really stoked that I got. Um, and I, I think the music's really unique in City on a Hill. It's, it's, you know, it's it takes place in Boston, and it's about a lot of the corruption that that was in Boston in a certain period of time. And um, I think I really kind of go against the grain sometimes and, and don't play the expected kind of cues. Um, and, you know, I use this acoustic instrument a lot, and it's just, uh, I'm really proud of that score as well. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure many of us will, will go check out your other work, um, especially Narcos. Got to plug that show because it's my favorite. Cool. <laughs> Got two more episodes, Kevin. So I'm catching up yeah, slowly. You know, <laughs> you know, I was a fan of Narcos for the, you know, the, the first I whenever I would finish with my wife, we'd be binge watching it. I, I'd be speaking to my dog in Spanish all the time. His his name is <laughs> Darcy, you know, so I looked down and I go, Senor Darcy, que pasa? Can I just say that's a perfect name? I, I love it. That's so good. He's a pug. Yeah, he's, he's extremely ugly. So that, the joke <laughs> is that he's the, uh, you know, because he's a handsome love interest in Pride and Prejudice. So that's the joke. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Kevin, thank you again so much for joining us on The Last Missions. We are so appreciative and honored to have you on the show. And again, we are so looking forward to the rest of your work in the season of Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you both very much, and may the Force be with you. Always. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to our interview with composer Kevin Kiner. It was such an honor to have him on the show today, and we are just so excited to share this interview with all of you loyal Last Mission listeners. Again, you can find his work at kevinkiner.com, and he'll also be releasing new soundtracks for The Clone Wars Season 7 on Spotify, similar to what was done with The Mandalorian. So make sure you check that out. You can listen to the Bad Batch theme, which is up on Spotify right now. It's a great theme, so I would highly, highly recommend. Now, Madison, where can our listeners find you in the Doing Talking podcast? You can find me at doingtalking.com, and you can also listen on Spreaker, iTunes, and YouTube. My channel is Maddie Solo, and you can follow Doing Talking on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Doing Talking Pod. I also have a Patreon, so if you go to patreon.com slash doingtalking, you can find all kinds of cool audio commentaries for the Clone Wars and Patreon-exclusive episodes there. I just did one on the Project Luminous News, so check that out. 
Fantastic. And as for the Friends of the Force podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Friends of Force. And you can also find us on Instagram. We have a YouTube channel as well. And we also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash friends of the force. We just released our Darkness on Umbara commentary. And that was a lot of fun to record. Thank you to our current patrons, Aldranian Rose, Neil Lowry, Real Farm Boy, Michael Condon, T, Rachel, and Cheryl. And lastly, we are a part of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network, which aims at promoting positivity in the Star Wars fandom. So again, everybody, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully this is not our last interview here on The Last Missions. We have a few dream guests in mind. So who knows? The sky is the limit. We had Kevin Kiner on the show. This is exciting. So we are so excited. We hope you are all excited. And Madison. Yes. Take us out. Begun. The Clone War has.